Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host, and we've got some real quick news, and then we're going to jump into an interview with Rod Simmons of the SMR Podcast, and we're going to talk about, well, let's just say we're going to talk about the opposite of range anxiety. We'll just leave it at that. All right, let's jump into the news. Well, more specifically, chip shortage news. Ford is delaying Mach-E orders by six weeks which is a huge inconvenience for wannabe Mach-E owners. So Ford is saying, you know what? We're going to we're gonna give you 250 kilowatt hours of free charging, which is actually about 700 miles of charging, by the way. So that's a nice way of Ford to say, I'm sorry. So right now, Ford offers, when you buy a Mach-E, just without the delay, you get 250 kilowatt hours of free charging. And then you get an additional 250 kilowatt hours of charging. So that gives you 1,400 miles of free charging thereabouts. If you think that's generous on Ford's behalf, Electrex Jameson Dow did the math. And the monetary value on that is about $150. So, and Ford probably doesn't even come close to paying that. Let's talk about Cadillac. Pre-orders for the 2023 Cadillac Lyric EV start on September 18th. The Lyric should be available the first half of 2022, barring any chip shortages, which we know we're going to see. Cadillac says the Lyric will have up to 300 miles or 483 kilometers. And I want you to really concentrate on that up to part. Um, that's with a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack up to 300 miles. So Tesla is way over that with a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack. So I'm going to guess the base version of this vehicle, which will start at $58,795, will not have the 300-mile range. I'm guessing it'd probably be around 250 maybe 230 The press release really wanted to get across that even though the base price is $58,795, that does not include extra fees involved in buying the car, like dock fees and things like that. Does anyone else feel like extra fees that you pay on top of the the purchase price of the vehicle are punitive? It's like it's like if you go to Starbucks and you buy a caramel macchiato and then the barista punches you in the face after you've purchased your drink. That's what it feels like to me. 
obviously I'm not a big fan of those extra fees. So let's talk about some Tesla news, shall we? Cybertruck is officially delayed until 2022. Not a huge surprise. According to Joey Klinder, who reported on a tweet by Tesla insider Sawyer Merritt, the delay may be due to the engineer still modifying the final design. Sawyer Merritt is a credible source. He has been right about some things in the past. And so I tend to believe him. Tesla already reached out to him to get more information. And he said, I can't give you information because that might give my source away. So that's the information we have. And we can't do anything about it. So let's move on to Model Y news. Model Ys at the Fremont factory are now coming with biodefense mode as a standard feature. So what biodefense mode is essentially is just a really good HEPA filter. It's about 10 times the size of a normal cabin filter and about 100 times more effective, according to Tesla, than premium automotive filters. 99.97 of fine particulate matter and gaseous pollutants, as well as bacteria, viruses, pollen, and mold spores are filtered through this filter. I support this move by Tesla. I hope they bring it to to the Cybertruck in 2022. Um, by the way, the Model 3 will not be getting this filter because they don't have enough room. So that's a real bummer for Model 3 owners. But I don't want Model 3 owners to suffer just because their filter area is smaller. Maybe Tesla can develop some sort of zombie apocalypse filter for the Model 3. So it wouldn't be useful against the bio, def- you know, the bio weapons, but it would be useful in a zombie apocalypse. And we're not too far from that maybe one or two more variants away. Let's talk about the Tesla 2020 impact report. Up to 92% of Tesla battery cell raw materials are able to be recovered or recycled from existing battery cells, according to Tesla. Tesla developed its own battery recycling program, and they claim they've recovered 1,300 tons of nickel, 400 tons of copper, and 800 tons of cobalt in 2020 just from their recycling efforts. As best as I can tell, the price of cobalt's around $14.50 a pound, so they recovered about $2.3 million in cobalt. A nickel is $8.50 a pound, so that's $22 million in nickel and $3.4 million in copper. So that's right around $28 million, thereabouts. Not too shabby when you consider that most of the most Tesla batteries are still on the road, bolted to a house, or hanging out in some big battery array. This is only the beginning for Tesla's recycling efforts. So this they're they're on a good path. And as those battery cells age out and they need to be recycled, Tesla can mine from their own battery cells. So all in all, this is this is good news. Now let's go back to that other eight percent of the battery cell that couldn't be recovered. This material is re- is still recycled, but it can't be used to m- make new batteries. So that's recycled and they use it other ways in their vehicles. And then 0% of the battery cell ends up in the landfill. But I would, I would just like to remind you that any percentage under 1% is technically 0%. So 0% doesn't mean nothing ends up in the landfill. It just means that it's less than 1% of um, the materials end up in the landfill. Now, I don't know if this is what Tesla is saying, but technically, you know, Diet Coke has zero calories, but it still has calories. You know what I mean? All right, let's get to our final story here. The U.S. infrastructure bill has passed by the Senate and EV incentives for everyone. 
that lives in the United States. It's pretty exciting, right? Not so fast, friends. Right now, only EVs that cost less than $40,000 will be uh, eligible for the incentives. So if you find an EV, which it's not impossible to under $40,000, you're just going to have a very limited choice. Then you need to make less than $100,000 supply for the tax credit. So um, U.S. politicians are working to make this the EV tax incentives a little bit more reasonable. I don't think what they're doing here is is reasonable. I mean, $40,000 is a pretty low number for an EV. But on the other side, if they raise the $200,000 for an EV, that's also probably silly. Politicians are going to work through that and try to come up with a more reasonable number. Because as it's written right now, it's just stupid. What what union-made car in the United States that you're going to get this $12,500 tax credit is under $40,000, maybe the Chevy Bolt, maybe the Chevy Bolt. And that's if you get like the base model. This is silly. The Biden administration wants to push union-made, U.S.-made vehicles. And then they put a cap of $40,000 on this. And I know that it's not the Biden administration that did that. You know, it's, it's Congress. At this point, it's the Senate. But come on, this, this is silly. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, let's move on. That was our last news story. I want to touch on a couple of things before we get to our interview. First up, I was listening to a podcast um, about firefighting and the people that were on this particular podcast were all chiefs at volunteer fire departments. And they were talking about how hard it was or how hard it is to find people to come in and volunteer their time and be a part of the fire department. And it didn't really initially resonate with me because Honestly, like every department in the area that I'm in, or pretty much every department in the area I'm in, is full-time. And we just don't have a big um, group of volunteers in this area. At one time we did, but we don't anymore. But one of the things that they, they made a pitch for on this podcast was, hey, go, go down to your local fire department if it's a volunteer or combination department, if you're interested. And put your name in, because apparently on the East Coast, uh, fire departments are hurting for uh, people to volunteer. So if you have a combination or volunteer department in your community, and this seems like something that's interesting to you, they will put you through all of your training. They're going to give you all of the gear that you need, and you're going to find a community that's pretty awesome. So if you if you are listening to this and you think, hey, I live on the East Coast or I live in a community that has a volunteer fire department, I'm going to check it out. I would highly suggest you go check it out because it's pretty cool and it's a lot of fun. And they need your help, which is probably the most important thing. Whew, man, I have to apologize. I My stutters are really bad tonight, so I've had to re-record some things. Even there, you can kind of see my re-re-re-re-record. So, so I had to re-record some things. And I'm, um, some of my, my vowels and stuff are elongated and things like that. So if I sounded weird, I didn't have a stroke. I just, for some reason I'm tired. It's at the end of the day. So that's kind of why it sounds stilted or stunted my, the podcast. So I apologize about that. Even talking right now is pretty difficult. So, so let's just talk about Rod, Rod, what an introduction, Rod Simmons was on the Daily Tech News show EV Roundtable. As a matter of fact, Rod and Allison are both regulars on that show. So if you like him here, go check him out on the Daily Tech News show. When I say regulars, like every couple of weeks he's on. And same with Allison. So go check him out on the Daily Tech News show. Or you can go to Rod's podcast, SMR Podcast. And here's why the SMR Podcast is great. It's like if you're just kind of hanging out with some friends and you're just talking about the things that interest you. So they talk about woodworking, they talk about tech, they talk about electric vehicles, they talk about cigars. All of this stuff is wrapped up in about an hour conversation between friends. So when I was on the DTNS roundtable with Rod, he had a very interesting strategy for charging his vehicles. And I'm only going to say it's the opposite of range anxiety. He has range hubris. So having said that, let's go ahead and get into our interview. Rod Simmons, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bodie, for having me here. I'm excited to be on your show. 
Yes, I'm excited to have you. So um, for the people who don't know, you and I were on a DTNS Daily Tech News Show roundtable talking about EVs. And I've had everybody else on the show, and you are the final piece of the puzzle. And you had probably the most compelling reason to have you on the show, which is you have a very unique charging strategy. So um, I do want to talk about that. But before that, maybe tell people a little bit about yourself so they kind of know who they're talking to. Yeah, so I... I guess if uh, in my professional life, I work in technology, I do product strategy for an identity company, but in probably I think what they're more interested is in my personal life. Um, I got really passionate about EVs um, probably a while ago, and uh, it was about in 2016-ish through 2015. I was really passionate about it. And honestly, it was, I just woke up one day and I was like, I'm sick and tired of sending my money um, overseas over to countries that just don't have really don't care about the U.S. and would like to see nothing more than the demise of it. Um, and with that kind of mindset, I started doing a lot of research. I, I stumbled upon a lot of Tesla videos, and mainly these people were doing long road trips. And it just got me really passionate about this is where I want to be. I want to transition to electric energy. And so at this point, I bought a Tesla in 2017, and I did look at a lot of EVs. We could talk about that later. And then uh, later, a year later, I bought my wife a uh, Tesla. And now we're a two Tesla household and I'm loving uh, driving an EV. And yes, I do have crazy charging strategies for sure. Do you want to share with what, which, uh, um, which, which models you have just so people have kind of a point of reference? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I drive a Model X and my wife drives a Model 3. I got her. She's, I say my wife has a heavy foot. She will argue with me till the sun come home that she does not, but she has the performance model three. I have a uh, 75D, uh, which is no longer offered for the model X. Um, but uh, again, I love both cars and the model X is for me, it's plenty fast enough. And she definitely uses the power of the model three performance. So she's similar to Allison. Her and Allison have the exact same uh, vehicle. Do you want to talk about your strategy and then some of the apps you use to to back that up? Or do you want to just talk about some of the apps first? Yeah, I think so. When when anybody transitions to EVs, the, the first thing they're usually concerned with is, and we all call it range anxiety. I think it's really just, you just want to be planned because it's it's a very new model for you to go from a combustion engine where there's a gas station pretty much on any corner that you go to. And then now you're going to a charging methodology and you're worried that it can support your lifestyle. And I'd argue to say your day-to-day driving isn't your concern because most people know I leave my house, I go run my errands, I come back. I might go 50 miles in the course of a day. So that's not really where you want to spend your time and focus. Um, it really is just when they do these road trips. And I think that's where the planning comes in, um, in a, a need for it. So consider a I'll say a longer range road trip where you will either almost fully exhaust your battery or require charging stops as you go. And you're going to be there for several days, which means I no longer have an at-home charging strategy. So really it's how do I do those type of journeys? Like if I, like my, my son played, when I first got my car, my son was playing a uh, travel baseball. So we would find ourselves for three or four days at a time in a hotel. And I needed to understand what my charging strategy was. So for me, um, if you can charge at a hotel, you know, more, more power to you. But what I do is I'd leverage a ton of apps that were out there for trying to better understand charging. So the, the first, if you're going with Tesla, the first and probably the most important one is using uh, tesla.com slash trips uh, or superchargers because it helps you locate superchargers based upon an address. Um, and if you're trying to plan a trip, 
Tesla.com slash trips helps you with the journey, but it doesn't help you when you get to the destination. And what I mean by that is um, most trip planning apps are stop here to charge, stop here to charge, stop here to charge, and you're there. But what you're more concerned with is, yeah, I'm here, but you let me arrive with 10%. What the hell do I do now? So really is I tend to like when I was first doing trips to South Carolina, for example, or to a baseball tournament, I would find my hotel, take the address, and I would put into apps like ChargePoint or PlugShare um, to say what charges, what charging points are nearby where I'm at. What that helped me understand is what options I had. And what I would find sometimes is that I was staying at a Marriott, but right next door, there was a, you know, a Holiday Inn or a Hilton and they had charging. So all I had to do is park my car over at the hotel next door and let it charge up overnight. Or I would find we were, we were next to a, a mall where I might have to, you know, walk a quarter mile, but I would drive over, park at the mall overnight and let the car charge and then just pick it up in the morning. And then sometimes I would have to actually go to a, 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 like a fast charger, like a supercharger and then drive like 15 miles there, 15 miles back. But it solved the problem. And for me, it was about being planned and prepared for the trips. So it's a combination of being able to know where you're going and then plan for that. How am I going to survive at that destination for n number of days? And it is a combination because I, I can tell you, I've taken trips to South Carolina where all I, I had a supercharger, but it was roughly 30 minutes both ways. So it was an hour round trip to the supercharger. So it wasn't, it wasn't ideal, but what I would do is I would go to the supercharger, charge up, then I would use a trickle charge, which is a 110 volt outlet for the remainder of the week. So I was able to be there for an entire week charging off of a wall outlet because I was, and I could supplement supercharging on an as needed basis. So I think it's more about understanding what are the chargers near me? And how can I use those in the best apps, in my opinion, for those? And Electrify America is relatively new to the scene for that. But PlugShare, ChargePoint allow you just to put in an address and um, it'll tell you all the charges that are nearby you. And that, that for 90% of the use case will help most people out for when they're road tripping it. Does that help? Okay. Yeah. No, no. For how, how About how far away? Are you traveling when you go to uh, from where you live to South Carolina? Because you ah, live on the East Coast. Yeah, no, that's good. What, what, what's the distance to that? Yeah, that's that? five hundred miles. So I'm I'm in Maryland. So South Carolina, I have to go through Virginia, North Carolina, and then South. Uh, when I go to South Carolina, I'm in Myrtle Beach. So that's on the obviously on the eastern east coast of South Carolina. So it's a it's a good five hundred miles uh, to get there, which means I require several charging stops to get there. So with that, you drive about 500 miles. So let's kind of talk about when you decide you're going to roll into a a supercharger or a um, destination charger. Like, what what's your milestone? What what algorithm do you have to hit, or a milestone <laughs> you have to hit in that algorithm to to be like, okay, I'm going to pull over now? Yeah. So I, I think the probably the first and most important, and th- this applies. It's not just Tesla. Like whether you're driving an Audi e-tron or you're driving, you know, a uh, uh, Chevy Bolt, or you're driving a Tesla, the the integration between navigation and we'll call it fuel consumption or energy consumption of your vehicle, it, it's there for you. So really, when you're road trip planning, I augment before I'm going to leave. I might go to an app. Uh, and another good app is uh, a better route planner, a better route planner. Um, I might open up a better route planner. And if it's on a trip that I do, like I do the South Carolina trip, I do all the time. But a good example is my sister lives in Ohio. When I go to see her, 
it's not a road trip I do all the time. So I'm not very comfortable with, I know that I'm going to go to here and this is what energy I need to get there. So because I don't do it as often, um, I use like a better route planner to just get a general idea of when I leave home, if I leave at 100%, where do I stop? If I only leave at 80%, where do I stop? So I, I try to get a general idea uh, for that road trip. But um, my plan for charging is I want to maximize the time at a charger. So when your first mindset when you start driving an EV is that, oh, I'm floating around 50%, I want to charge. And that's the worst time to pull over to charge because you want the vehicle to charge um, as fast as possible for as short a period or for as long a period of time as it can charge that fast. Um, so what I mean by that is all EVs typically have their best band of charging roughly between 10% and about up to 60%. So if you're if you're stopping to charge at 50%, you're going to get super fast charging from 50 to 60, but then it dramatically tapers down from 60 to 80 on charging. Roughly that the the charging rate between 60 to 80% is almost equivalent to, as the charging rate between 10 and 60. So I tend to err on the side of I want to be relatively low coming in on charge. Now I say, uh, don't do as I do, but I, I will, I will roll into a charger. I'm very comfortable with my car now that I'll roll into a charger at around 5%. And I don't blink an eye on that. Um, but it doesn't leave a lot of area for buffer. And the, the reason why this is important, I drive a Tesla. So usually an entire Tesla supercharger isn't down. There might be one plug that's down and I might have, if worst case scenario, which has never happened, I might have to wait for someone to pull out for me to charge. Again, East Coast versus West Coast, I'm never waiting to charge. When I pull in, I back, and when I pull up to the charger, there's always a stall available. I, I back in and start charging. But I, I usually try to plan anywhere between 5% and for me up to about no higher than 15%. Like I prefer to be between 5 and 10% that I pull in to start charging because I'm, you know, it's roughly 30 minute charge time, which in the mindset of someone who's used to going in plugging in, like, you know, pull it, putting in, um, like gas into a vehicle. The first thought is, well, that's, you know, that 30 minutes is crazy. But when you look at it from a different perspective, um, the, I always say the, the typical or the quintessential American road trip is, uh, you get everybody in the car and you tell the kids, don't drink a lot. Cause I'm not stopping for you to go to the bathroom. And I'm going to stop one time, which is I'm going to fill up with gas. You're going to get food and you're going to eat. And when you eat, don't drink too much of that drink I just brought you because I'm not stopping again for you to go to the bathroom because you had it when I stopped for food. And that the road trip is, and we've all done it. We've all lived it with our parents. I know I certainly have. Um, and my kids are like, road tripping is now better because when we stop, while we're stopped for 30 minutes, they know that we stop, they can go to the bathroom, they can get drinks, eat, stuff like that. The car charges for 30 minutes. And then before we leave, it's like, do you want to go to the bathroom again? Da, da, da. They go to the bathroom and then we get going. But what we find is that we're not eating. I'm not eating and driving, like eating with one hand, driving with the other and asking people to pass me stuff. We just stop the car. We sit and eat like normal civilized human beings. And then we drive. So that 30 minute window is we're fully occupied with doing stuff. Typically, the car is ready to go before I'm either done eating or we're ready to get back on the road. Yeah. That, that, um, when my wife and I got married in 2000, she actually made me promise that before we could get married, that if we went on a road trip, she has an option every hour to stop to go to the bathroom. That was like <laughs> a deal breaker. If she, if, if, if I said no, she wasn't going to marry me. 
So, so I um, lied. <laughs> no, no. Uh, she has, she has that. No, my wife has the upper hand in our relationship on, on everything. So, um, no, I, I, I was like, okay. I mean, it seems like a small price to pay, but it also means that we get to where we want to go an hour later now that I have little kids, but, uh, I guess they're not so little anymore. They're almost nine, but yeah, the, the, this is a selling point for my wife to get an EV. Cause my wife is so anti cyber truck. She's not necessarily anti EV. She is anti cyber truck. She doesn't want it in our garage. She doesn't want it in front of her house. It has a different look. I, I'm not a fan of the look of the Cybertruck. I love the Rivian, but uh, I, I, I can understand your wife's standpoint on that. But I will say the quality of your trips, you probably noticed dramatically improved by just saying, oh, you got to go to the bathroom. Okay, let's pull over. Let's stop. We can get some food. If we can, we can live like civilized human beings on a road trip. And the journey becomes part of the trip versus becoming the torturous part for us to get where we want to go. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. My son, he's like, he's like me, like he can hold his bladder for as long as it needed. He doesn't have any issues whatsoever. He'll, he'll go a whole car ride without getting out of the car. But my wife and my daughter on the other hand, like it's, it's at least two on the way to, if we're going to San Diego, two stops and that's fine. We just build it into the the trip and we usually go to like Petco so my kids can look at the pets and, you know, there you go. make, make a whole experience out of it. So what happens if, if you could just let people who don't know, what happens if you make an error in judgment and you run out of battery on your way to a supercharger? So I'm lucky that I've never run out of battery. Um, and I, I, I always think, I guess I equate it to running out of gas. Like I have been driving, uh, you know, I'm 48. So I've been driving for 30 years. I've never run out of gas, actually 32 years. I've never run out of gas in a car. And, it may be because I'm that person who I go get gas before the gas light has been on for the last 40 miles. And some people like to push it to the absolute end of the envelope. I don't mind my, I would like when I drove a car, a gas car, I didn't mind if the car got to E, but I knew that when it was at E, I was, I was in route to the gas station, like, or I could see it, or I was pulling into it within a couple miles. And it's the same thing with an EV. I would never, if, if I'm looking at it and it says, you're going to leave, but you're going to, you know, you're going to reach your destination at 0%. I'm not comfortable with that. I will charge for another 15 minutes so that I can pull in at 5%. But the car tells you stuff along the way. At least I know with Tesla. Again, I I don't have uh, many of the other EVs, but the Tesla will tell you, like, as I'm driving, it might say, "Mm, you're consuming a lot of energy. Um, Stay below, you know, 70 miles an hour to reach your destination. Okay, that is warning number one that you're not you're not going to make it if you still continue to try to go let's say 75 or 80. So I I back down and I go right to 69 miles an hour. That's below 70. <laughs> but it's close enough to being fast, right? And if the car then might step down and say stay below 65 or 60, you know, you just pull to the slow lane and do that, but again, a lot of that usually comes with that first charging planning. So and this is one of the key reasons why up in front I've already gone and planned out my trip with like something like a better route planner because I want to know what my backups are. So a good example is when I leave my house and I go to South South Carolina, um, between me and there, there are like six charging stops, but close to my desired, like there's one in, it's called Chester, Virginia. Um, It's ideally where I want to charge. However, there's a charging stop just a little further north. uh, uh, Yeah. Further north in Glen Allen. 
it's about 20 miles away. And that, like for most times, if, if I'm running in tight, I can stop in Glen Allen. If my car were talking to me really bad saying, you're, you're in a nightmare. I have another one up in what's called Fredericksburg, Virginia. So there's, there are a couple charges I know that leading in that if, if things are getting bad, I already know where I can pull in charge. And this is why I always say, if you kind of plan out your route and you use things like a better route planner, you can kind of see, or Tesla trip planning, you can kind of see the destinations along the way. And the thing I love about a better route planner is someone is likely listening to this saying, that guy's crazy. I'm not pulling in at 5%. Like that is gaslight on idiot's territory. So when you hit 0%, the car isn't dead, but I will not argue with someone who thinks I'm crazy. If you're more comfortable pulling in at 20%, a better route planner allows you to say, I'm leaving my, my, I'm leaving my start point at what percentage charge? Let's say 100% when I leave my house. I want to arrive at my destination, my first charging stop at no less than 20%. So now it might say, well, Chester VA is going to put you in at 5%, but if you stop in Glen Allen, for example, it'll put you in at 19%, which is within a margin of error where you're comfortable. So that's what I love about a better route or a better route planner is it allows you to building your trip based upon your comfort level. And then because you can see the charging stop before, you'll kind of know that if things are looking a little tight and I'm not comfortable with it, I can, I can make adjustments. And again, that 10% of rapid charging speed, you, you know, you give it up. It's, it's totally fine, but it's all about that mental that I'm not stressing and panicking and biting my nails as I'm coming in. I, I don't mind the nail biting, but I only do that on my South Carolina trip because I've done it dozens of times. When I go to Ohio, I'm a lot more conservative with where I want to come in because I also know I'm going through a mountainous region. So I got to learn how the car responds to to that versus relatively flat driving. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I, I recommended my oldest, she's 25 and her and her boyfriend and dog were caught in the Texas snowpocalypse. Oh, and yeah, they were there uh, for a month enjoying a, uh, a work from home kind of a thing. And, and, and they basically spent a week and a half in the car, but they had to, they had, they had uh, problems finding uh, chargers and things like that. Chargers that were up reliably. Yeah. And I, after all of that, because I think uh, we were on DTNS after the snowpocalypse happened, but anyway, I recommended a better route planner. And I, as far as I know, that's what they're using to travel around the country right now with it's the plan. Cause she plans, she's she got to have a place for the dog. You got to have a, a place to go to the bathroom, place for them to get something to eat, all that stuff. It, it's huge. Cause so what you get with many of these trip planning apps is um, one, like, and whether it be Tesla supercharger, where it'll tell you like, this is a supercharger, what's nearby. Like, so you know that there's food nearby. Cause you want to plan. If I'm going to stop for 30 minutes, I don't want to pull into the charger, plug in and realize there's nothing in walking distance for food. So you might know that like, I'm going to stop here, but I'm going to do this. Like one, a good example is when I go to South Carolina, we stop in a place called Rocky Mount, North Carolina, right next to it is an Outback Steakhouse. So because we know it's there, when I'm road tripping with my kids about 30 miles out, I'm taking orders and calling the Outback Steakhouse in Rocky Mount. So when we arrive, we walk, we plug in, we walk over to the, uh, the Outback Steakhouse, which is probably about within you know, uh, 40 yards of where we're at, we pick up the food, walk back and we sit out in the back of the car and we eat. And it's, it makes the trip a little better. We're not pulling into McDonald's. They're, they're like, they're happy to do Outback Steakhouse on a, 
a part of the road trip because it makes it easier. But many of the trip planning apps help you understand what's around. And that's where the planning helps you out. Because if you know that it's saying, you're going to stop here and you're like, I don't know what's around there. At least now that I know where I'm stopping the charge, I can look and say what rest, I can look at Google Maps and say what restaurants are around where I'm going because some people are fine with stopping at McDonald's and Wendy's and Burger King and stuff like that on a road trip. But, you know, some people would say, I would rather make a quick stop before and grab a decent meal at a restaurant and just order for curbside pickup and then go to the charger so we can pick up the food and go to the charger. Another cool thing I do is, um, uh, one of the places we were going, the chargers were relatively close to food, but it was, it was about a, well, about a mile away. So, and this was on our trip to Ohio. I brought our, our scooter we have with us. So it's just an electric scooter and we plugged it, we pulled in and plugged in and charged. And I rode the scooter, uh, you know, uh, just shy of a mile away, grabbed the food and then rode it back with on the scooter. And the kids sat in the car while the car was charging and, uh, the scooter was a, a definite little extender to get us to where our food was. That's nice. That's a good idea. Like these are all really good suggestions that uh, even though I've been doing this podcast for five years, I hadn't even really considered because I just figured, you know, supercharger, you're going to go like a check in the box or whatever is near you and not didn't really think so much about uh, going to something like an Outback or, you know, uh, one of the the other establishments that's usually around an outback like an olive garden or whatever else is around there that's a good idea because i don't like like fast food makes me feel gross yep so i don't like eating fast food if i can get around it yeah and it's like i say typically there are nice restaurants wherever you go it's just if you even if you're looking around and you say like i've had charging where you're like charging and it's like at a mall well, that's great because many malls like you want to know what restaurants at the mall it's like sometimes there's a food court that doesn't have the greatest options but you know, there might be bigger restaurants that are at a mall that you're going to. I think the bigger challenge you run into is night driving. So I will tip, I will sometimes drive through the night and everything, you know, all bets are off then because really all you have are gas stations. So like it may say the charging is near Panera Bread, but you know, two o'clock in the morning, Panera Bread isn't open. So I like right. to stop at like Wawa's or Sheets gas stations or place like that with charging because a, they're open 24-7. B, all you care about at that time of night is being able to get a cup of coffee um, so that you can push through the night. So it's a, it's just trying to plan like I may have to stop where there is no um, coffee when I immediately stop, but I'm happy to know that when I leave, I can swing by like this gas station, grab a cup of coffee and keep going. Um, and that help, that's helpful. But the other nice thing about I feel stopping to charge, especially when I do night driving, is it, even in the day, sometimes you just – you're tired while you're driving. You're like, man, I've just been behind this wheel for like the last like five hours. I just want to close my eyes for like 15, 20 minutes. And with EV charging, I, and the Tesla, even if it's, I'm not planning for it to be a part of my trip, I can click the button and it says there's a supercharger here. It's like, okay, great. You know, it's 40 miles away, but I know that rather than going the 140 miles as go, in 40 miles, I can stop at this supercharger I can close my eyes for maybe a good 30 minutes just to give my body and my that mental rest that I needed so that I can push on and keep my journey safe. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to get to our destination and not you know, die along the way because we're trying to push through to a particular point. So being able to find that Electrify America or Tesla charger that's a little closer so that you can you know, close your eyes and rest. Because rest stops are perfect for a gas car because you know you can find a gas station anywhere. And they're good for EVs if you just need to pull over and close your eyes and rest. But if you know that you can stop and 
kind of combine rest and charging into one. When I pull into a supercharger, it is typical at, if I'm doing night driving that part of that time might be that I just, I close my eyes and I set my iPhone to say alarm in 30 minutes or 40 minutes. And I just go to, I try to truly get some decent sleep and wake up rested with a power nap. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the Ionic five has a feature that solely <laughs> it's, it's almost the entire reason why I want this car. There's a lot of great things about the Hyundai Ionic five, but it has, and people who listen to the show, hear me talk on about it and like excessive it i I love this feature so much but you when you lean the seat back to kind of rest it has a footrest that comes up oh my gosh it's not like a full recliner but it's more than just letting your legs just kind of dangle there so it gives you a little back support and that's something tesla should absolutely put in their cars uh i think you get that with um the lucid motor is doing that at least with the backseat uh passengers the backseat yes and in Mercedes and BMW, like the high end, like the seven series or the S class, you get those. And that's one of the reasons like why Lucid Motors is interesting to me. Uh, but probably more importantly, uh, the Mercedes EQS is super interesting because of the, that, uh, that level of luxury. Like Tesla is not a luxury vehicle. It's just an expensive vehicle that's minimalistic, but Mercedes is like that upper echelon of just true ultimate luxury vehicles. Yeah, let's let's get into that real quick. I I went to Monterey and I spoke with some people uh, at Lucid and I got to sit. We didn't get to drive anywhere, but they were just showing it off. I got to sit in the car. Oh, and my oldest, she was with me. She got to sit in the back. This was like 2017. So she sat in the back where the with the recliner and everything. And she said it's the one of the most comfortable seats she's ever sat in in the back, which it should be for one hundred sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> but the internals of this car. Like I can't even express, I've never been in a car and this was a prototype. I've never been in a car that had, it just felt so luxurious and they're the planning that they went in and they explained how they just, they chose the materials and the colors and the, it was like, man, there's so much thought put into this vehicle. It's ridiculous. And like we sat down and spoke to engineers and marketing people, which marketing people, but we, they, he was very nice. It, it, I don't want to everybody there was super nice but yeah just the the ability to sit in that car even at that early stage i was like oh this is going to be amazing if they're able to get them out the factory so a couple times when i've gone to asia and uh ordered a car service to pick me up at the airport and take me to my hotel they've always come up with either an s-class uh mercedes um which is more like the executive type series as well as the seven series bmw executive series so the longer extended wheelbase and they had the luxury you're describing in the loose that I think is, is a clone of what you get out of those vehicles. And it is luxury. It's, you know, your feet are reclined up. You have massaging seats, you know, everything's, you know, within, you don't have to really reach. It's just like, leave your hands right where they are on an armrest here, armrest there. It's, it's, it's utter luxury. And it's nice, but that's for the backseat passenger. I'm the driver's right. seat, but you do get some of those luxuries. Like I think like Ford has it in like their, the ranch series where they have the massaging seats and those, those things do help extend your ability on like a long road trip. So I I'll agree with you hundred percent, but I'm, I don't dislike lucid. I just, I don't like their CEO. <laughs> he just seems so slimy to me, but that's just me. Uh, again, I just, I, it's, they really turned me off when they went 
their SPAC, they went live with their SPAC. And then within, it felt like hours, if not maybe a day, they said, ah, and we're going to delay our vehicle and we will non-committal for what we're going to deliver in 2021. It just, it felt very disingenuous. And, uh, I don't, I would never compare them to Nikola because they, they actually have a product, but I, I wonder if it's, we're trying to make it right versus we're trying to figure out this hell of volume production that, uh, is now upon us. Because like, again, building prototypes are relatively easy. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I th- I think I honestly think it might have been a mistake to produce the nicest version of that car first, the the dream edition because there is so much just listening to the people talk about the materials that go into that car. Yeah. There is so much that goes into that car. I can't imagine like even for them volume is what, you know, 10, 20,000 a year if you look at what the Model S and Model X sell right or a quarter, I guess. I guess that would be right around what they would do for uh, volume, maybe a little less than that. But they have so many, there's so many little intricacies in there. I don't know how you mass produce that. And I don't know how you scale up if you're, if you're at the nitpicky level, you know, BMW can rely and Mercedes can rely on their lower end models and they're still not lower end, but the lower end models to keep the business going. Yep while they're building the higher end models. And I think starting with the most expensive version of the car you possibly can, you're just going to basically be hand building those like Tesla was in the early days until you can figure it out. At 160 grand. I mean, let's, let's be honest. You have a very small market who can afford that, but there's a level of expectation. It's if, if I'm paying $160,000, I expect Mercedes Benz quality. No doubt about it. Like you better be, equivalent to or better than an S-Class. What scares me for Lucid, which I do think they have what appears to be a good product if it ever comes to market, but the longer you delay, the closer we are to that S-Class Mercedes. And then at, at that point, I'm like, do I, why, why would I buy a Lucid, which is a brand new manufacturer, you know, high risk versus just buying the S-Class Mercedes, which provides me everything you provide and the quality that I've come to expect. And that's, that's a bigger challenge. Like if I were, if I were in the market for Lucid, the closer they get to that date of the launch of the the EQS, the less likely it is they could get my money, and I would probably be going with Mercedes. But that's that's just my mind looking at it. What if Lucid, when you bought it, offered you a brand new iPad Pro instead of a five year old <laughs> Android tablet? Would, would that change your mind? Uh, probably not because I already have a new iPad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, don't give me. I mean, I the. Many of the traditional auto manufacturers have a ways to go in it as it relates to trying to truly bring tech to their vehicle. But I mean, like things like uh, when I've sat in a Mercedes before and it's like, you want the color of the car to be blue today? Do you want it to be pink? Do you want it to be yellow? Like just the ability to re-theme and do a lot of those really customizations. If you're looking at a screen and you're saying, I don't want that button here. I want this one over here. I'll move this one. All those kind of things you, you do in Mercedes and BMW. Like they've already solved that. They don't have the best interface software, but it's so customizable to you. It's so personalized. And that's why I think, you know, there's an affinity towards what those brands can do. And th- th- I mean, the fit and finish is, it is definitely there. And I think that's Lucid wasn't committing to 10,000 vehicles in 2021. They were committing to 500. Yeah. 500. And yeah. It's, they're still not willing to deliver. I don't think they're going to deliver. I'd be shocked if they deliver a single vehicle in 2021. Yeah, you know, um, I, I tend to agree with you, but I do think eventually it's going to get there. I don't yes. know. Again, I just that that high end dream edition I think is is uh, was a huge mistake. 
just to start off with, I, I think maybe they could have gone with something a little bit less custom in materials wise, but it could also been, I like don't know anything volume, about manufacturing right? either. Yeah. It's so. been the volume issue. If we're only building for 160,000, there's a small, a larger target audience. If we're, if we're moving down into like the 110,000 vehicle, like we might have 10 times more people who can, who can acquire that vehicle and we're not ready for that level of production. So we want to start with, slow rollout production, start with the most expensive and then move ourselves down market. Cause at that point we're removing options in quality as we move down. And I hate to say quality cause I know they're trying to build the highest end vehicle they can, but there are going to be some creature comforts and luxuries that you remove as you move down to a, a less expensive vehicle. Um, yeah, but no, that's, that's a good point. Uh, it's just, I guess maybe they should have sort of designed it with luxury in mind without all of this special little Yes. kits here and there the little the little uh chotskis that they have on that car it's again it's beautiful but i just i don't know if it was designed for manufacturing i think it was designed for design yeah i will definitely go look at it but i it, it's when i listen to i think it's peter rollison talk about it mm-hmm. that's i uh, and i don't know if it's the accent is it, I don't his know what it is but it's it's like Oh, it feels so stuffy. I feel like I'm watching Robin Leach talk about lifestyles of the rich and famous. Like it just, it's like, ugh, I can't take it. I just, like, I look at the EQS and I listen to what Mercedes talks about. And I'm like, I, I can embrace that. Even if I look, even if the price comes out, and I say, I can't personally afford it, but I can embrace what they're talking about. When I listen to this, it just seems like, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't EV shame. Like I, 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 I think every there's something out there for everything that every or something out there for everyone, and you don't have to own a Tesla, you don't have to own a Lucid, you can own whatever you want. It's like a Zoe, can, yeah. Oh, Zoe, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's lots of good vehicles out there. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, there's the 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 Mini Coopers. There's the I mean, it just goes the list goes on and on and on in terms of uh, what's what's out there. It's just I mean, the Leaf right now will give you an eighty nine dollar lease. That is crazy. Yeah, it's like fourteen hundred bucks down, and it's eighty nine dollars a month. Yeah, I think the Leaf. I think it was the Leaf. No, it was a Prius. The first, the first electric or quasi electric hybrid vehicle that I really got in that captivated my mind was a Prius. I rode with a friend from Vegas to Phoenix in a Prius, and I just found it so mesmerizing. Like, oh my god, you took your foot off, and the battery's charging. Like, it was it's very unique and uh, interesting to see. So. Um, um, yeah, definitely. There, there's something out there for everybody. I, I almost, I was debating between my Tesla and a bolt and it was a struggle back and forth. And then I, I just, my wife said, we need something that can seat our entire family, which is six people. And the bolt didn't qualify for that, but the model X did. And which is what pushed me to Tesla. I, it was really sometimes that simple decision. And I know a lot of people are like, wait, is it, how the heck a bolt at $30,000, a Tesla at almost a hundred thousand dollars? How is that a debate? I wanted EV. Um, and then I need to find the, what fit my lifestyle. But the, to me, the Bolt is a, f- a fantastic vehicle. Exclude the fires and all the stuff they're dealing with now. Chevy will absolutely work through that. And hopefully they'll do right by their customers. But it is a, it's, it was a great option. And honestly, what I liked more than the Bolt originally was the Vault because I thought the body design on the Vault was better. But it, and it Agreed. gave you, some people would say the best of both worlds. It gave you that little bit of comfort as you ease into the EV world. So being a plug-in hybrid. Yeah, and there were people who who wouldn't put fuel in their vaults for. I, I have a friend; her cousin had a vault, and he wouldn't put fuel in it for months, just because he barely hit that motor. Yeah, 
it's it's a it's a it is a nice experience to have with uh the all these different uh options you have on the market today awesome well rod i I know you have to go i had a lot more things so maybe i'll just save this these notes that i've made and maybe we'll have you back on if that's okay i would love to come back on this was a fun conversation and we could definitely go into some of my other crazy habits with evs and I know we want to talk about uh, Tesla Energy because I'm getting yeah. uh, solar panels and all that stuff. So yeah, let's definitely uh, uh, circle for another time. Absolutely. You want to tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah. So from a technology standpoint, you can obviously you can catch me on Twitter. Uh, just Rod Simmons on Twitter, pretty easy to find. Uh, I'm on Instagram, but I have no idea, and I rarely ever post there. But most importantly, uh, um, I work I with a couple of my buddies. We run a podcast called the SMR Podcast. So just go to smrpodcast.com, and you can find me, Chris, and Rob over there talking just general tech. So we cover a wide variety, but nothing just target specific for EV. Yeah, no, it it goes from cigars to woodworking to tech to EVs. <laughs> it's it something's got to one of those four things has to get hit before you guys can end your show. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> You're so right. Yeah, no, I I really I really enjoy it, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. It it uh, it was really fun for me. Thank you very much for having me, and hopefully the audience enjoys it and says it's worthy to have me come back again to talk. All right, I, I will let you know. They're, they're vocal for sure. All right. Well, you have a good day and hopefully next show we can get you over from the Cybertruck into something like uh, the, uh, the Hummer EV or something like that or Rivian. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Thank you, Rod. Thank you. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Rod Simmons for coming on the show. Please do yourself a favor and go to the SMR podcast. I think it's smrpodcast.com and subscribe to their show. I guarantee you're going to like it. If you want, I'll give you your money back. Okay. All right. If you want to email me, you can do so at Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can find me on Twitter at 918digital. And then if you have questions about being a volunteer firefighter or a firefighter in general, you can email me, just Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. And I hope everyone has a great weekend. Thank you again, Rod, for coming on. I will see you guys next Friday. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.